Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? We are going to be thanking our gorgeous Patreon subscribers to start off this week's episode. Are you ready? I am ready. We would like to thank Melissa Lee. Liz Gonzalez. Jennifer Dunn. Katie Clark. Kelsey Lampkin. Kayla Calco. Jen. Giselle Sophia. PJ Parker. Tali O'Leary. Let's have a seance. No, thank you. Uh, Michelle Randall. Cameron Rackner. Michael R- R- Michael Ritter. Writer? I, I mean, I don't know. Man, we were doing so well. Erica Silverio. Amy Skiggs. Emily. Ali Kern. Zoe Chambers-Ward. Stephanie Sellers. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very, 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 very much. Thank you all so much for your Patreon pledges. As always, we appreciate it and we love you for it. I would like to say a particular thank you to Stephanie Sellers, okay. who fixed my Patreon issue this week. Oh, well done, Stephanie. Some of my episodes weren't working and she figured out why. What What an amazing, amazing human being. So thank you. Thank you. I would also like to say happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. We've been doing this for a year. Wow. What a weird journey it's been. Wow. Thank you so much to everybody who's been listening to us and downloading our episodes and being so lovely and wonderful and donating to our Patreon and even reviews and joining our Facebook pages and just listening in general. I feel like this is a time where people normally say, you said we couldn't do it. But instead, I'm going to say, oh, I said we could do it. And here <laughs> and we you are. Proved us, you proved me wrong. <laughs> so thank you all so much. It's been a year. We we have roughly around half a million downloads in a year. Which, oh, my word. I mean, to us is amazing. To other people, other people might be like, that's shit. But I don't care. And also, uh, happy Halloween. I hope you all had a gorgeous and safe Halloween. The costumes in the Facebook group were amazing. This and, week. Well, I didn't see those, but the ones that I saw on Instagram were incredible as well. Yeah, so well done everyone for making yes. an effort at Halloween. What including that child, that, including that parent that dressed their child up in a sack and uh, made me have nightmares about it, really. Pretty hilarious. Love mm. it. So mm. would you like to talk about our film review this week? I think we should. Our film review this week is The Lodgers. The Lodgers was released in 2017. It has 5.1 out of 10 on IMDb. 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like a synopsis? Yes. A family curse confines orphaned twins Rachel and Edward to their home in punishment for their ancestors' sins. Bound to the rules of a haunted childhood lullaby, the twins must never let any outsiders inside the house, must be in their rooms by the chime of midnight and must never be separated from one another. Breaking any of these rules will incur the wrath of a sinister presence that inhabits the house after midnight. So before we continue in any way, shape or form with this review, I am going to caveat this by saying that there will be spoilers. So if you don't want spoilers for this yeah, film... Yeah, no, there has to be for us to talk yeah, about it already. Skip on 10 minutes because there's no way of talking about this without there being spoilers. So what were your thoughts on this film? Well, this is the first time for a while where IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes have been roughly in the same ballpark, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't mind it. I kind of wanted to watch it because the guy that wrote it was on, um, controlling the... Uh, Island account this week, the Island the official Island Twitter account. So I was like, "Oh, we should watch that." Seeing as you're Irish and they make good movies, and I did quite enjoy it. There was a lot of things that frustrated me about it, and there were some things that I was quite intrigued by. Like what? The eel. What the point in it was? Because yeah. I still don't fucking know. Uh, do you know what? I really wanted this film to be good because it's Irish, and there are some stunning Irish films, and I really did not think this was a good film. And I don't know if it was just me. But uh, just don't have sex with your fucking sibling. 
There you go. Some they of that perpetuated up. the family all the way through, though, didn't they? It was just twins having sex with each other. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that was the whole curse. How is that a curse? Well, how does Nobody's it making you. Nobody's physically making you have sex with somebody. No, but how do you have, like... So this was the family curse. So this is why this is spoiled. The family curse is that twins are all having sex with each other. And then having new twins. And then they're having sex with each other. And then they kill themselves. And then have new... No, no, wait. Yeah. Have new twins and then kill oh, themselves. Yeah, yeah, no, they don't have not, new, yeah. not, not after they've killed themselves. And this was the family curse. But I don't understand how how that has ever been a curse for anybody in the world. Like, how is that a curse? Just don't have sex with each other. It's that fucking simple. <laughs> Just don't don't have sex with your twin sibling. Yep. Move on. Standard. Fair. Like, leave the house. They ain't coming running after you because you left the house. She leaves the house to go down to the shop. So that whole idea has been fucking blasted out of the water. So she can't leave the house. He just doesn't leave the house because he's a weirdo. Yes, it was very strange. He he was the best character in the whole thing because he was fucking creepy. See, I thought they were ghosts to start with because, you know, he gave, they, they gave the debtors one of their mum's jewels, like a set of pearls. And then yeah. when he got out of the house, the pearls turned into like bird bones. Voodoo shit. Yeah. But there was no explanation for that either. No. I only thought about that afterwards. It was like, so they live in this big crumbling house. They're cursed to live there. To be fair, and the estate, the estate has run out of money, yeah. so debtors come along. She tries to give, to kind of keep the debtors at bay. She gives the debtor some of her mother's pearls and he comes back because it's turned into some voodoo fucking bird shit. Not bird shit, bird bones and stuff. And But there's, how does that there's no explanation as to why that's relevant or important at one point in it the brother finds a raven and decides to keep it randomly puts it in a cage and then at the end of it she was like the the sister's like there is no raven edward and there's no raven in the cage but, but there definitely was a good raven but what what is the i don't get it no there was a lot of that sort of stuff that just didn't make sense like their presence in the house as far as i could determine was an eel that was in charge of loads of zombies so true it was an eel in charge of loads of zombies that just sort of randomly is, appears in the bath with her yeah and the house so the house did this thing where it, where water went to the ceiling because there was a hole in the ground which was like the upside down which was the house upside down but the upside down house was underwater and the underwater house was the realm of the eel and the eel sent the zombies into the up the right side house the zombies who are all the previous twin ancestors yes. that all had sex with each other yeah yeah I actually think that we've missed the point of this I don't know that we have. I think this was an Irish nationalist movie, uh, movie that is just put that is showing that English people are idiots, and that's the main point of it. See, it, like this film was set in the backdrop of um, the end of World War One and the beginning of the War of Independence in Ireland. Uh, there wasn't really any point to that, so I thought that was going to be actually really relevant. Well, they did that thing where they made this guy an absolute idiot who yeah. was not really part of the main storyline. He was like a side character. Who was horrible. And never got his comeuppance. Yeah, I don't know. I just think we're sort of rambling about nonsense now, I think. And it just, it was a very badly executed film. Like, there were bits of it that were really creepy that I was like, whoa, who are those people in the background? Whoa, that's really creepy, blah, 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 blah. And then the moral of the story is don't have sex with your twin. That's it. Yeah. That is the moral of the story. Do not have sex with your twin or your family are cursed forever. And all cursed incest families flee to Ireland, apparently. I just don't, I just didn't get it. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. The best thing about it was the brothers, the really creepy brother who is trying to have sex with his sister all the time. Uh, it's just, it's just very odd. Like I, he sits down beside her one point and goes to kiss her and she's like, no, Edward. You're too old for that now. Uh, yeah. No, she goes, I'm going for a bath. And then he's like, can I come too? 
<laughs> she's like, no, we're too old for that now, Edward. Oh, yeah, that's what she said, too old for And that. it's just like, I, uh, it was just stupid. Sorry. But she survives, so she gets away with it. She they gets should, away maybe, with it. Maybe a couple of generations ago, they should have just left the house or not had sex with their twin. Then all this would have been over. Yeah. Because nothing seems to happen to her leaving the house. No. So why didn't she leave the house sooner? You can't fill she spent, the whole of Ireland with water chasing you. She spent the whole film. Although we don't know how powerful that eel is. She, oh no, and it was a very small eel for like a for like a god eel. It, but she spent the whole film ranting about how she wanted to leave. Just leave then. Why are you worrying about your weird brother who keep who keeps trying to have sex with you? Just leave him. If he didn't want to leave, just leave him. I just and you know what's the other thing is that at midnight there's a trap door in the house that that leads to the the upside down world. How does she accidentally fall into it? That has been the bane of her existence for the last eighteen years. Surely you'd know exactly where it was. How did she fall into it? She like steps backwards into it. It's a stupid... Anyway, I'm ranting now. What would you give this film out of five? Two. Me too. I'd give it a two out of five. I don't know why I'd give it two though. I'm trying to justify why I've given it See, that there high. were elements of it that were really quite... Like it was really atmospheric. Yeah. I thought it was beautiful. And there were elements of it that was really promising in the beginning. Like I thought, oh, this is creepy. Why are those two rattling around this old house? What happens at midnight? And then every so often you see these like weird zombie creature things... Ah, then it just fucking was boring and fell apart. I liked watching them swim underwater. Is that because they were naked? No, they weren't though, were they? The, the <laughs> oh, man, the zombies the were. No, the boyfriend and the girlfriend. Oh, yeah. The sister and the, the one-leg guy. There was something quite soothing about their whole world being contained within water. And there's one moment where she's swimming to the surface and she's literally swimming across your screen. And you're like, how much water is under that house? Yeah. But yeah, two. Two. Anyway... Which leads me to my story. I wouldn't stories. even bother watching it, to be fair. No, I wouldn't either. Because we've given you the moral already. Don't have sex with your sibling. That's it. That's the moral. And if that's something you're not aware of, you've got bigger problems anyway, I'd say. Yeah. Probably turn off the podcast. Most of that film, or a lot of that film, was shot in a place called Loftus Hall. Oh, no. And Loftus Hall is somewhere where lots of people have been asking me to talk about. So I thought, what better week to talk about Loftus Hall than... After we've watched a film that was shot in Loftus Hall. Are you so ready for this? Oh, you said it was on the listener's story. I had a vague hope it was going to be something. Oh, yeah, okay. Are you ready for this? No. <laughs> story number one, Loftus Hall. Driving along the isolated road that runs down the scenic Hook Peninsula in Ireland's ancient east... It is easy to spot the mansion that has earned itself the reputation as the most haunted house in Ireland. If ever a building fit the stereotype of a home haunted by its bloody and tragic past, this was it. Set against the backdrop of a rugged and windswept coastal setting, Loftus Hall looms over the surrounding landscape. Its historic walls have seen invasion, capture, plague, famine and numerous personal tragedies, many of which live on as ghostly legends still told today. The recorded history of Loftus Hall and the land upon which it sits stretches back some 800 years, but locals say the significance of the site goes back thousands of years and was once sacred to the Druids, the high-ranking professional and religious class in ancient Celtic cultures. The story of Loftus Hall begins around 1170 AD, when Raymond Fitzgerald, nicknamed Le Gros, or The Fat, landed at Bag and Bun Head in the Hook Peninsula, in what is now County Wexford in Ireland. It is a famous site in Irish history, 
known as the place where Ireland was lost and won. Raymond was among the first of a small band of Norman knights who played an active role in helping enforce Norman rule over Ireland. He acquired land in the area, upon which he built a castle known as Houseland Castle. Over the years, it fell into disrepair, and in 1350, descendants of Raymond Le Gros built a new castle called the Hall, or Redmond Hall. The Hall remained with the Redmond family until the mid-1600s, when the Irish Confederate Wars saw the castle repeatedly attacked and eventually seized as part of the Cromwellian confiscations. In one remarkable display of defence on July 20th, 1642, Alexander Redmond, who was 68 at the time, managed to protect the Hall from around 90 English invaders, with just the help of his two sons, some tenants, two soldiers and a tailor. They staved off several more attacks after which Alexander Redmond received favourable terms from Cromwell. Upon his death in around 1651, Redmond's family were evicted from the Hall and their home put up for auction. In 1666, Henry Loftus, originally from Yorkshire, England, acquired the confiscated lands and the mansion was renamed Loftus Hall. Over the decades and centuries that followed, the Loftus family rose in the peerage producing barons, viscounts, earls and marquesses as they climbed the ladder of aristocracy. The illustrious family hoped they could entice Queen Victoria to visit. With that goal in mind, John Henry Loftus, the fourth Marquess of Ely, embarked on an enormous renovation of the hall between 1870 and 1879 to make it grander than ever before. Although it is widely reported that Loftus Hall was completely demolished and rebuilt, there is evidence that much of the former hall was utilised and worked into the mansion that can be seen today. No expense was spared in the renovation of Loftus Hall. Erected as a three-storey mansion with balustraded parapets, the hall boasts an ornate mosaic floor and a spectacular grand staircase, hand-carved by Italian craftsmen. The house certainly was fit for a queen, but Queen Victoria never arrived, causing deep disappointment to the Loftus family. While its rich and colourful past is enough to bring history buffs flocking, it is the legends, the unexplained mysteries and the tales of ghostly apparitions that have made Loftus Hall one of the most visited mansions in the whole of Ireland. The legends stem from the real life and death of Anne Tottenham. In the mid-1600s, Charles Tottenham married the Honourable Anne Loftus, daughter of the first Viscount Loftus, and they had six children, four boys and two girls, Elizabeth and Anne. But his wife became ill and died while the girls were still young. Two years later, Tottenham married his cousin, Jane Cliff, and they lived together, along with Anne, in Loftus Hall. One night, amid a powerful storm, a ship arrived at the Hook Peninsula, and a young man made his way to Loftus Hall, asking if he could take shelter there. It was not uncommon for strangers to come knocking, as the rough waters around the South Wexford coast often resulted in ships being grounded on the shore or shattered by rocks. The man was invited in and ended up residing at the house for several weeks. During this time, Anne, now a young woman, fell in love with the stranger and spent countless hours socialising with him in the tapestry room. According to local legend, one evening Anne was playing cards with the stranger, as well as other guests, when she leaned down under the table to collect a card that she had dropped and noticed that the stranger had cloven hoofs. 
She screams loudly, causing the stranger to expose himself as the devil. He transformed into a ball of fire and shot up through the roof, leaving Anne in a state of trauma from which she never recovered. Anne's mental state deteriorated rapidly, and her family, embarrassed by her behaviour, confined her to a room in the house, where she remained until her death in around 1775. It is said that from this time onwards, Loftus Hall became plagued by severe poltergeist activity that troubled Anne never able to rest in peace. Several Protestant clergymen were summoned by the family to put a stop to it, but none could rid the house of its evil forces. In their desperation, the family, themselves Protestant, called upon a Catholic priest, who was a tenant on their estate, Father Thomas Broders, who was a successful in cleansing the house of negative forces. It is popularly reported that his gravestone contains the inscription, Here lies the body of Thomas Broders, who did good and prayed for all, and who banished the devil from Loftus Hall. Though there is no evidence that this inscription ever actually existed. It is fair to say that many of the details of this account are likely to be little more than fictional folktales. Nevertheless, reports going back over a century say that Anne was indeed confined to a room in Loftus Hall until her death. So what really happened to her? It is most likely that the account of the cloven hoof and the devil shooting through the roof was made up by the Loftus family to deter beggars and other strangers from paying a visit to the hall. After all, they were desperately hoping to entice Queen Victoria for a visit, so the last thing they needed was undesirables getting in the way. This then raises the question as to whether Anne was really confined due to mental illness or whether there was another reason for this tragic ending to her life. According to one alternative account, the stranger had fallen in love with Anne and had asked Charles Tottenham for her hand in marriage but was refused permission. He was turned away from the house, leaving Anne heartbroken. But there's another twist to this story. During the restoration of Loftus Hall, the skeletal remains of a tiny baby were found between the walls in what is believed to have been the room that Anne had been locked in. Did Anne fall pregnant with the stranger? casting shame upon her family. This could have provided a motive for her father to lock her away, never to be seen again. One local account suggests that Anne died during childbirth after her father refused to let anyone know of her pregnancy, including the local doctor, and she suffered complications leading to her death. Today, Anne Tottenham's grave is located in a local graveyard in Wexford, but something is very peculiar about it. Unlike the surrounding graves, it is completely cemented over. The people that buried her clearly wanted to ensure no one could ever access her body. What dark secrets did Anne take with her to the grave? Metaphorically, Loftus Hall is indeed haunted by its dark and troubled history. One could almost feel the sadness and trauma that have taken place within its walls. But does the ghost of Anne still roam the cold and empty rooms of the mansion as it stands today? Many are convinced the answer is yes. Indeed, American ghost hunters carried out detailed investigations of the house and claimed to have detected numerous anomalies. But it was in 2014 that Loftus Hall cemented its reputation as the most haunted house in Ireland, when a visitor taking a tour believed that he captured a haunted image on his camera. It subsequently went viral, attracting the attention of people all around the world. 21-year-old Thomas Beavis said that he was browsing through the photos on his camera when he noticed the ghostly figures of a young woman and an older woman in a window. In the early 20th century, the Loftus family went bankrupt 
and following the death of the last member of Loftus' family, it was taken over by the Benedictines, who occupied it until 1935. In 1937, the Sisters of Providence converted it into a convent and school for young girls wanting to join the order. Locals say that people were terrified to attend Mass in its chapel, given the well-circulated legends of the devil himself visiting the hall. In 1983, Loftus Hall was purchased by Michael Devereaux, who opened it as Loftus Hall Hotel. Michael died in the hall and his wife struggled for several years trying to run the hotel on her own, until one night she took off without any explanation, leaving everything behind. Loftus Hall then entered another dark period. The property was left vacant, but was occupied illicitly for nearly a decade by people conducting satanic rituals and meetings. In 2011, it was purchased by its current owners, the Quigley family, who have embarked on an ambitious project of restoration. Today, Loftus Hall is open to the public, who can join a 45-minute guided tour that showcases the history of the hall and its many legends. Leaving the hall after one of these tours, one is left with more questions than answers. Fact and fiction seem to have become so closely entwined in the history of Loftus Hall that it is impossible to determine where history ends and the legend begins. Just for clarity, the picture that I spoke about in that story is the thumbnail of this episode. And it is a very interesting picture. What are your thoughts on that story? It was clearly a vampire. What was a vampire? The devil man. Or maybe it was just the devil. No, it's a vampire. Because it sounds very much like Dracula. Washing up on the shore, going to a house, taking in virgin woman. Isn't it interesting that that story of the devil bursting through the ceiling is repeated in loads of different ghost stories from around the world? I wonder if it's like Black Shuck. What do you mean it's like Black Shuck? In that. It was lightning. <laughs> the thing is about Loftus Hall is that that hole in the ceiling has never been repaired. Nobody can repair it. Apparently every time they try to repair it, it all falls apart again. So that hole in the ceiling is still there to this day. Oh my word. Yeah. Must be the devil's hole then. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no one can fix the uh, devil's hole. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, it's weird. I'd imagine it probably is something to do with getting pregnant out of a look. I think so too. Rather than insanity. Although it was probably claimed to be both, to be honest, isn't it? Yeah, probably. And I don't know, if you're trying to entice the Queen to come and visit, I don't know if saying the devil fucking lived in the house is a way to keep undesirables away. Do you know what I mean? Like, that seems like a mad way to stop undesirables from coming to the house, but to entice the Queen to come and visit. But maybe they knew something about Queen Victoria that we don't. Like, Ooh. she was a witch. She's a witch. Loftus Hall, I think, have a live stream, like security cameras all around Loftus Hall, so people can like go on and watch them and see if there's any paranormal activity. There was a video, I, 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 I couldn't find the video, but there was a video from like maybe 10 years ago of a girl being attacked in Loftus Hall. So in, in a particular room, there is a room where when they do these tours and whatever, girls are like hit or dragged or pulled or like whatever and that has been documented time and time again that this kind of happens to women as they enter as they enter that particular room i just think it's a very interesting story do i think it's haunted no do i think suggestion is a really powerful thing yes why would it not be haunted because i think that it's more likely that 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 family did something horrific to that girl in terms of like locking her away because she was pregnant the easier way to explain the sudden disappearance of this man is to say 
he was the devil and he burst through the ceiling and they probably locked her away because she was pregnant and the baby died she died and that was why they didn't want the body ever exhumed because it would have been a, a way a way to prove that she was pregnant but if you take the elaborate story away yeah there's a lot of fear and hurt and it's old so why would it not be haunted what's interesting about it as well is that it's built on a druidic site um, and they probably would have been really annoyed the druids of the idea that English people had come and taken this land you know because the land was passed to English families so was that the hall in the film then yes yeah mm. and it's still there to this day we, we should go and visit it the next time we're in Ireland I'm good do a little tour um, they do um, ghost hunting tours as well but if I've learned anything from that documentary that we watched last week called Eli um, it's very possible that a lady was impregnated by the devil that documentary called Eli was was very factual yeah. it was very convincing yeah and we know that he just goes around fathering kids all over the place. Yeah. So maybe that's another one. And maybe they found out and they killed the baby before it turned into another. But, but maybe that maybe maybe they didn't. Maybe there's another baby. Or maybe it was twins and the devil yeah. killed the twin baby. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Maybe that's what happened. Oh my gosh. Because Ghost Hunters has been there. Uh, Ghost Adventures has been there. Yeah. Loads of like most haunted. I think went there. No, they went to the next place. We're going to talk about. Ooh. Today. So, there's one other place in Ireland. Oh, by the way, that story, that research, before I forget, came from ancientorigins.net and it was the the best and well-rounded research that I could find about Loftus Hall. But the next place that we're going to talk about is not the Hellfire Club. Then it must be Lep Castle. Then it is Lep Castle. Where you've been to. Where I've been to. Uh-oh. But we'll discuss my experience in Lep Castle at the end. And the story of Lep Castle comes from authenticireland.com. And Ghost Adventures have been there as well. Ghost Adventures have also been there. But they I don't think they spent um, enough time there really. That was their Ireland episode where they went to like, they were like running around Ireland trying to get to places. Literally, they weren't even allowed to use cars. They just had to just run. run from one place to another. Yeah. Are you ready? <laughs> it depends what story you pick from this actually, to be honest with you, because I thought that late, uh, I thought that last one we did was going to be way worse than it was. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to say... No. Lep Castle has long been regarded as one of Ireland's most notoriously haunted destinations. Located in cool Derry County, Offaly, Ireland, this historical structure has garnished worldwide attention and has been featured on a number of television shows catering to an audience with a fascination for the supernatural, including Ghost Hunters and TV's Most Haunted. But what is the history behind this infamous castle? And what is at the root of its sinister reputation? The dates related to the construction of Lep Castle are a bit ambiguous. Some say the castle was erected in the 12th century, while others claim it came to exist in the 15th century. Whatever the timing of its origin, Lep Castle was built over an existing site previously occupied by Druids, who used the property for initiation ceremonies. Lep Castle was originally named Laimi Bannon, which means the Leap of the O'Bannons, which leads to the origin of its name, and the calamitous circumstances surrounding it. The O'Bannons were an affluent clan from County Tipperary. As the legend goes, two of the O'Bannon brothers were contesting the chieftainship of their family. In order to determine who would be reigning chief, the siblings challenged each other to leap from a rock where the castle was to be built. The sole survivor would not only govern the clan, but also be responsible for the castle's construction. And so began... Lep Castle's saga of bloodshed. The O'Bannon rule over Lep Castle was not a long one. However, as the O'Bannons were subservient to the O'Carroll clan, 
a ruthless and domineering sect fueled by greed and power. The O'Carroll seizing of Lep Castle launched a gruesome legacy of carnage that left a supernatural scar at the core of the castle's menacing reputation. According to legend, many a massacre took place within the walls of Lep Castle at the hands of the O'Carroll clan. When the chief of the O'Carroll clan died and left no successor, a dispute developed between his sons, Thaddeus and Tyg, over who would rule. Thaddeus was a priest and was in the midst of mass when he was slaughtered by Tyg in what is now known as the Bloody Chapel. Legend has it, the priest's apparition can be seen wandering the Bloody Chapel as well as the stairways below. The O'Carroll's reign of torment and murder throughout their years over Lep Castle is one of legend. One of the most wicked slayings tied to the O'Carroll clan was that of the McMahon family. The McMahons were invited to a celebratory feast at Lep Castle in order of the McMahons' victory over one of the O'Carroll's rival clans. We're talking Vince and Shane in this? Yeah. Okay. Rather than pay their employers, however, the O'Carrolls opted to poison the McMahons. The ghosts of the McMahons have been seen by Manny haunting the grounds of Lep Castle. One of the most notorious spirits of Lep Castle is that of the Red Lady, a very tall spectre clothed in a fluttering red gown clinging to a sharp blade. The story behind the Red Lady is that she was imprisoned by the O'Carrolls and repeatedly raped. She gave birth to a baby who was then murdered by the O'Carrolls. Overwhelmed with grief over the loss of her child, the Red Lady used the knife her phantom bears to put an end to her own life of torment. In the 1900s, an oubliette was discovered behind a wall in the chapel that contained human skeletons amassed on wooden spikes. So many, in fact, that it took three cartloads to remove all of them. It is believed that the sadistic O'Carrolls would drop unsuspecting guests through the trap door to be impaled by spears dug into the ground many feet below. In the 1600s, the castle again switched ownership. It was not a peaceful passing along of the ownership torch, however. As the story goes, the daughter of the reigning O'Carroll chieftain became smitten with an English prisoner in one of the castle's dungeons, a Captain Darby. The O'Carroll daughter would regularly sneak food down to Darby, and the two concocted plans to elope. Late one night, she snuck down to the dungeons, freed Darby, and the two began their grand escape from Lep Castle. Their getaway was cut short, however, when they ran into the girl's brother on the stairwell, and the two commenced in a sword fight, where Darby emerged the victor. Upon the death of the O'Carroll's son, the daughter became the heiress to the castle. The newly married Darbys took over Lep Castle to start their own family and invested in expansions and renovations. Captain Darby was a bit temperamental and became known as the Wild Captain. He had amassed his own treasures in battle which he hid in compartments scattered throughout the property. The Wild Captain was later imprisoned for treason in Dublin but was later allowed to return to Lep Castle. Years of imprisonment had driven the Wild Captain to the brink of madness and he was unable to recall where he had hidden his fortune. As the legend goes, the fortune still remains in Lep Castle, and on certain evenings, where the energies favour the spirits, you can see the Phantom of the Wild Captain searching the grounds for his lost treasure. Mildred Darby, one of the Wild Captain's ancestors, was a gothic novelist who regularly performed seances within the walls of Lep Castle. It was Mildred Darby's supernatural practices that awakened an elemental presence of incredible dark magnitude. Just what this elemental presence is manifested from is anyone's guess. 
Some say that the elemental was put there by the druids even before Lep Castle was built, in order to protect it, while others say it is the spirit of one of the O'Carrolls who died of leprosy. Mildred Darby claims to have seen this evil up close and described it as thin, gaunt and shadowy and emitting the smell of a rotten corpse. The Darbys abandoned Lep Castle in 1922. At the time, Ireland was fighting for its independence from England and given the Darbys were an English family, Lep Castle was a prime target for revolt. Shortly after the Darbys' departure, the castle was bombed and looted by the IRA who hung peacocks from meat hooks along the tower. A friend of the Darbys lived in the castle briefly until she was ravaged by gangrene. And from then on, Lep Castle lay dormant until it was purchased in the 70s by an Australian historian, Peter Bartlett. Bartlett was actually an ancestor of the founders of Lep Castle, the O'Bannons. He did much extensive restorative work for 15 years and claims to have witnessed poltergeist activity through much of it. He contracted a white witch to drive the spirits out of the castle. The white witch claimed that the spirits vowed to not cause any more trouble, but insisted on staying in the castle. His renovation efforts were tragically cut short when he died in 1989. In 1991, musician Sean Ryan and his wife Anne purchased Lep Castle and resumed its restoration. The Ryans have been plagued with freak accidents since living in Lep Castle. One resulted in a broken kneecap that that delayed restoration of the castle. Once the renovation resumed, another accident left Ryan with a broken ankle. The castle's malevolent history and creepy inhabitants didn't stop the Ryans conducting their newborn baby's christening in the haunted bloody chapel. The Joyce event was a nice juxtaposition to the carnage and bloodshed that cursed this room for generations. Today the castle is still privately owned by the Ryans. And while you cannot stay overnight in Lep Castle, there are plenty of hotels in the vicinity and Sean Ryan welcomes fascinated tourists who want to experience the grounds firsthand. Mr Ryan has even been known to open his doors to visitors and grant them a private tour of Lep Castle. And I kind of was looking then a little bit more around this story. If you go on to Lep Castle, I think it's lepcastle.net, it's Sean Ryan's website about the castle. He outlines all the spirits that he's experienced and he's done loads of research. And he's put together all of the written accounts of people who've come in contact with the elemental. And I would like to read one for you. I'd rather he didn't. Well, I'm going to. <sighs> Suddenly, two hands were laid on my shoulders. I turned round sharply and saw, as clearly as I see you now, a grey thing standing a couple of feet from me, with its bent arms raised as if it were cursing me. I cannot describe in words how utterly awful the thing was. Its very undefinableness rendered the horrible shadow more gruesome. Human in shape, a little shorter than I am, I could just make out the shape of big black holes like great eyes and sharp features. But the whole figurehead, face, hands and all, was grey, unclean, bluish grey, something of the colour and appearance of common cotton wool, but oh so sinister, repulsive and devilish. My friends who are clever about occult things say it is what they call an elemental. The thing was thin, gaunt and shadowy in parts. Its face was human, or to be more accurate, inhuman. And its vileness with large holes of blackness for eyes, loose slobbery lips and a thick saliva dripping jaw sloping back suddenly into its neck. Nose it had none, 
only spreading cancerous cavities, the whole face being a uniform tint of grey. This too was the colour of the dark coarse hair covering its head, neck and body. Its forearms were thickly coated with the same hair. So were its paws, large, loose and hand-shaped. And it sat on its hind legs. One hand or paw was raised and a claw-like finger was extended ready to scratch the paint. Its lustreless eyes, which seemed half decomposed and looked incredibly foul, stared into mine. And the horrible smell which had before offended my nostrils, only a hundred times intensified, came up to my face, filling me with a deadly nausea. I noticed the lower half of the creature was indefinite, and seemed semi-transparent at least. I could see the framework of the door that led into the gallery through its body. And there's loads of accounts of the elemental, right up until recent times. Like, right up until, like, you know, the last couple of years where people have written about the same thing. And what they all write about universally is the smell, like a smell of sulphur that accompanies this spirit. Lovely. I know, right? And Sean Ryan has never seen it. Interesting. And never experienced it. And I know that because we had a conversation about it. Because I spent the night. With Sean Ryan. With Sean Ryan in Lefkastle. I spent the night in Lefkastle about 10 years ago. I was really curious about it and I contacted Sean Ryan and I said, hey, do you mind if me and some of my friends come and stay in your castle? And he was like, absolutely, by all means. He lives there, like he renovated it to live in it. So he lives there with his wife and his daughter doesn't live there anymore, but she comes and goes. And when people ask me about paranormal experiences, I always say, oh, I talk about the time I worked in an asylum and I had an experience there. And I always forget about this one. And this was a very, very strange experience. And Sean didn't speak to us when we arrived. He just said, I'm going to leave you to it. Do whatever you want to do. Be careful of the oubliette. Don't fall into it. Obviously, don't break anything. And I'll see you guys in the morning. And we'll talk then about what what the house is like and whether or not you have any experiences. So I was with my friend Clara and a few others. And it was kind of late into the evening, maybe like about three o'clock in the morning. And we were sitting around the fireplace and we were talking. And we had explored all the castle at this stage. I'd been in the bloody chapel I'd been like looking into the oubliette. I was in the room where the elemental was meant to be. Like I was in there on my own. I was in there with other people. Everything felt fine. Like nothing. Felt, like it was scary because we were all together and we had known some of the stories. Yeah. You know, that's why and it was scary. And you'd gone there to see it, knowing that stuff. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was scary in that regard, but not because I felt anything or saw anything or anything like that. And we were sitting and it was about three o'clock in the morning, maybe later. And we were having this conversation around the fire just talking about normal things, not talking about ghosts, just like having a laugh. And then there was a natural lull in the conversation and there was the unmistakable sound of children giggling. Nope. Bye-bye. I am not like, That is... Mm-mm. It was completely unmistakable. And I oh. sat and I looked up and Clara was staring at me with these massive eyes and I said, just ignore it. And we did and carried on. But it was it was unmistakable. It wasn't like a creak of furniture that could be misinterpreted as something. Anyway, so the next morning we were sitting around with Sean and having breakfast. And we were asking about his experiences. And he was talking about all the different things he'd seen. And then he told us about Charlotte and Emily. And Charlotte and Emily were two little girls who lived in the house. No, 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 no. And no, no, no. one of them had fallen off the roof of the castle in like the 1600s because he kept seeing these little girls or he kept hearing these little girls or they would regularly hear a scream as though somebody had fallen and when they had their their daughter they were obviously quite concerned and then they realized that 
there wasn't anything there and they researched it and they found evidence that two little girls had lived in the castle and one had fallen off the roof and that the other one had some sort of illness or deformity and their little girl would play with these kids all of the time not realizing now i didn't know this until the next morning and i remember clara and i being like oh my god because it was unmistakable, the sound of children giggling. Like, completely unmistakable. Yeah, and he said that he regularly would see... So, as he's milling about his day-to-day life, he would regularly see a woman who he believes was the girl's nanny milling about her day-to-day life as well. So, she would never interact with him. But he would see her, like, walk to the fireplace, bend over to the fireplace, look like she was poking the fire, and then disappear. And he used to see her all the time. And he said it just became and is a normal part of their life to see these things. It's not normal though. They're not there. But he never experienced the elemental, never smelt it or like felt it or any of that. And he said the reason was, or the reason is, is that because he doesn't go looking for it. That he has no no interest in trying to see it. But regularly when people who are like ghost hunting in inverted commas come to the house, they're, they're going and they're like, I want to see this elemental... And they try and call it out and stuff. And then he said, and then they're really frightened when they see it. Yeah, I'm not surprised. You know, but he has never seen it. But isn't that fascinating? So I could do a haunted trip then really, couldn't I? Because I just wouldn't call anything out. I'd just go there. Yeah, you'd just be wandering around. But it is a very, very cool place. It must be a really cool place to live as well. Like it's beautiful. It's genuinely beautiful. Google it. It's, it's, yeah, it's got an overlet though. Which is amazing. And you can like get down into it. And it's in the chapel, which is really... Like, the O'Carrolls were animals. They were vile creatures. But you can um, you can get down into it. So it's like a trapdoor. And you can see right down into it. And they didn't realise it was there until the 1900s. And when they excavated bits of the castle. And they just found body after body after body. And that is... On the spikes. Yeah. All, where all these, like, skeletons had clearly been impaled. And apparently they had designed the spikes. So that when they threw people down, they wouldn't kill them that the people would live and suffer and then die of starvation or their wounds rather than dying on impact. Because it wasn't a massive drop into the oubliette. It was quite a short... It was like something like eight feet or something into it. So not really, far really high up. You, yeah, though. Far enough to impale you, but not far enough to injure you on impact. Ugh. I know, right? Isn't that crazy? I don't think I could... Just sidetracking slightly, I don't think I could deal with my child playing with ghost childs. Ghost childs? Ghost children? <laughs> Well, what if you knew they weren't going to do any harm? They're still ghosts and they're little kids. Well, they're not doing any harm. But they're creepy. Yeah. I mean, hearing her scream and fall off the tower all the time, that must be horrific. Well, just hearing them, I couldn't, I would have, like, had a breakdown if I'd have been in your position. I think I probably would have pissed myself. Like, actually. But the, the other side of me was like, you know, this man, he doesn't like, it's not his business, but we still paid him some money. So maybe he has, like, a sound system set up. You know what I mean? To play these things every so often. We don't know. You don't know. You can't say that it's 100% paranormal. But at the time, I remember not feeling frightened. I remember just feeling like, oh, that was fucking weird. And just saying to Clara, just ignore it. Kids, man. Yeah. How interesting is that, though? Yeah. Fascinating. (laughs) Two really fascinating stories. And what I love about them. Both steeped in history as well. Both built on Druid sacred ground. Don't be building shit where druids were. If you if you know about the Hellfire Club in, in Dublin, that was also built on a sacred ground. Don't be doing shit like that. Leave sacred grounds alone. Don't have sex with your siblings. Don't lock people away when they get pregnant. Simple yeah. as. Yeah. Would you I like think, some... Um, Go on. Leap Castle is scarier than Loftus Hall. Do you? Yeah. See, I think so too. 
I think Loftus Hall probably is haunted though, but it's probably not a sinister haunting. I just think it's like any building of that age is going to have residual haunting, particularly when there's people in service and people power and and lots of like sadness and distress and stuff. Yeah. Just naturally going to have people bombing about on it. The, the hole in the roof is quite interesting. Yeah, and how it's never been fixed. It's yeah. still there. But our stuff still feel like leap, 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 leap is scarier. I think it's mad that somebody lives there. Yeah, but they just get on fine, don't they? They do, and half the castle is renovated for him to like live in it. And then the other half of it is like completely the way it was. Wow. So the bloody chapel is completely unrenovated and it's on the top floor. Well, you still had the christening there, even though it's unrenovated. Yeah. And it's like it's it's safe to be knocking yeah. around in, and then the room where the elemental is meant to be is still as it was. Yeah, I wouldn't be knocking around in that room. Like it has like a big dining, like a big like medieval dining table and stuff, still all there from when, from back in the day. And the sitting room still has that big, massive, like open fireplace that's like the size of a huge, like as tall as a human. You know, it's yeah. big old school. It's amazing. Like the one in Dover Castle. Yeah, it's really amazing. Two little historical stories for you today. Awesome. Would you like some reviews? Yeah. Let's do some reviews. The first review comes from Keely2907. And it says, you two are my actual new best friends. Oh, thanks. I'm from Australia. And everywhere is a minimum 25-35 minute drive from where I need to go. However, my streets are poorly lit. And I drove in a pothole while I was listening to the podcast. And I just about had a panic attack. I love you guys beyond belief. You've got me through some very tedious cardio sessions. Love, love, love. Just trying to make wardrobe space so I can buy some merch. Keep at it, guys. You're awesome. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Keely. I'm upset with you doing cardio. I don't think anyone should do cardio ever. It's because I'm so lazy. I think it's quite important. You think it's important. I think eating (laughs) is important. And watching RuPaul's Drag Race. And review number two comes from Emerson0421. And it is entitled Great Hosts. I happened upon this pod while looking for scary scary stories pod appropriate for my daughter. Well, it's not exactly what I was looking for in that case. <laughs> I love it. The hosts are hilarious and the stories are great as well. And then finally, we have Amberella. Or LGS is what I've been waiting for. I absolutely can't get enough of this podcast. Listening to your episodes has become part of my routine as I seriously look forward to it every week. I even found myself replaying the episodes I've listened to already because I enjoy them so much. I feel like I'm with old friends while listening in. You guys rock. Thank you all so much for your little reviews. I love them. I would like to um to say thank you all in general for being amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I would like to say thank you for leaving reviews. Thank you for all the recommendations of ghost shows that you sent me yesterday. Yeah, I came home and he was watching some absolute shite. No, it was oh great. Oh my God, it was awful. <laughs> thank you for recognising that we have very busy lives at the moment. So our episodes are potentially not as detailed, maybe. I was going to say full. Not as full as they have been previously. But in in 11 days, my life will return to normal. I don't know what normal looks like, but in 11 days, it will maybe return to normal. And I'll be able to put more time into this, which is really exciting. So until that point, just make sure that you tell your friends about us. Make sure that you tell your enemies Make sure that you tell the people that you work with. Anyone who you know listen to podcasts, just tell them to come listen to us. If you want to send us in your story, can you please send it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to talk to us on Facebook, you can do so at RLGS Supergroup. The question is... Who are the hosts? And I'm Emma. And I'm Dan. So that's your answer. And we also have Tiny B. 
which is our little tiny baby. Who you might be able to hear snoring in the background. Yeah, if she's you snoring really quite loudly. Carefully. Um, you can find us on Instagram. I am on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories. Dan is on Instagram at Fifty P Movie Club, and we are on Twitter at Real Ghost Pod. And Real Ghost Pod. Sorry. <laughs> and if you would like to help us to um, keep this podcast going and give us a little bit of extra cash, you can do so. Do so at Patreon.com forward slash Real Life Ghost Stories, where for five dollars a month you get access to an extra episode weekly, and for two dollars a month you get access to some super extra video content and the back catalogue of 50p movie club which and is a new series of 50p movie and a new f- series of 50p movie club which is being recorded tomorrow boom boom uh, 50p movie club is when me and a other host previously will soon to be someone else uh, watch 50p movies that I buy from CEX and we talk about them and we're often drinking and yes and on that glorious and wonderful note we love you happy birthday to us Hope you had a lovely Halloween. Don't have sex with your siblings. And we (laughs) shall see you next week. Adios.